Chapter Two of From Jest to Earnest by Edward P. Rowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Two The Victim. Frank Hemstead was expected on the evening train from the north, so the conspirators would not have to wait long. To pass the brief intervening time, Lottie went to the piano and gave them some music like herself, brilliant, dashing, off-hand, but devoid of sentiment and feeling. Then she sprang up and began playing the maddest pranks on languid Bell, and with Addie was soon engaged in a romp with De Forest and Harcourt that would have amazed the most festive Puritan that ever schooled or masked a frolicsome nature under the sombre deportment required. The young men took their cue from the ladies, and elegance and propriety were driven away in shreds before the gale of their wild spirits. Poor Belle, buffeted and helpless, half enjoying, half frightened, protested, cried, and laughed at the tempest around her. "'I mean,' said Lottie, panting after a desperate chase among the furniture, "'to have one more spree, like the topers before they reform.' though these velvety creatures with their habits of grace and elegance could romp without roughness and glide where others would tear around they could not keep their revels so quiet but that hurrying steps were heard bell warned them and before mrs marchmont could enter lottie was playing a waltz and the others appeared as if they had been dancing the lady of precedent smiled whereas if she had come a moment earlier she would have been horrified but the glow from the hearth, uncertain enough for their innocent deeds of darkness, had now to fade before the chandelier, at Miss Marchmont, somewhat surprised at the rumpled plumage of the young ladies, and the fact that Mr. de Forest's necktie was awry, suggested that they retire and prepare for supper, whereat they retreated in literal disorder. But without the door their old frenzy seized them, and they nearly ran over the dilatory bell upon the stairs with sallies of nonsense, smothered laughter, a breezy ruffle of garments, and the rush of swift motion, they seemed to die away in the upper halls like a summer gust. To Mrs. Marchmont their departure had seemed like a suppressed whirlwind. "'The young people of my day were more decorous,' soliloquized the lady complacently. "'But then the de Forests have French blood in them, and what else could you expect? It's he that sets them off. The sound of approaching sleigh-bells hastened the young people's toilets, and when they descended the stairs, this time like a funeral procession, a tall figure with one side that had been to the windward well sifted over with snow, was just entering the hall. Mrs. Marchmont welcomed him with as much warmth as she ever permitted herself to show. She was a good and kind lady at heart, only she insisted upon covering the natural bloom and beauty of her nature with the artificial enamel of mannerisms and conventionality. During the unwrapping process, the young people stood in the background. But Lottie watched the emergence from overcoat and muffler of the predestined victim of her wiles, with more than ordinary curiosity. The first thing that impressed her was his unusual height, and the next a certain awkwardness and angularity. When he came to be formally presented, his diffidence and lack of ease were quite marked. Bell greeted him with a distant inclination of her head. De Forest also vouchsafed merely one of his slightest bows, while Harcourt stood so far away that he was scarcely introduced at all. 
but lottie went demurely forward and put her warm hand in his great cold one and said looking up shyly i think we are sort of cousins are we not he blushed to the roots of his hair and stammered that he hoped so indeed this exquisite vision appearing from the shadows of the hall and claiming kinship might have disconcerted a polished society man and the conspirators retired into the gloom to hide their merriment as the stranger in his bashful confusion did not seem to know for the moment what to do with her hand and was inclined to keep it for in fact it was warming or rather electrifying him she withdrew it exclaiming how cold you are you must come with me to the fire at once he followed her with a rather bewildered expression but his large gray eyes were full of gratitude for her supposed kindness even if his unready tongue was slow in making graceful acknowledgment supper will be ready in a few moments frank said his aunt approaching them and rather wondering at lottie's friendliness perhaps you had better go at once to your room and prepare you will find it warm and she glanced significantly at his rumpled hair and general appearance of disorder the natural results of a long journey he started abruptly blushed as if conscious of having forgotten something and timidly said to lottie will you excuse me yes she replied sweetly for a little while he again blushed deeply and for a second indulged in a shy glance of curiosity at the cousin who spoke so kindly then as if guilty of an impropriety he seized a huge carpet-bag as if it were a lady's reticule but remembering that her eyes were upon him he tried to cross the hall and mount the stairs with dignity the great leathern bag did not conduce to this and he succeeded in appearing awkward in the extreme and had a vague uncomfortable impression that such was the case mrs marchmont having disappeared into the dining-room the young people went off into silent convulsions of laughter in which even bell joined though she said she knew it was wrong he is just the one of all the world on whom to play such a joke said lottie pirouetting into the parlor it was capital chimed in de forest lottie you would make a star actress he has an intelligent eye continued she a little more thoughtfully he may be able to see more than we think i insist that you all be very careful aunt will suspect something if he doesn't and may put him on his guard mr hemstead soon returned for it was plain that his toilets were exceedingly simple the elegance wanting in his manner was still more clearly absent from his dress the material was good but had evidently been put together by a country tailor who limped a long way behind the latest mode what was worse his garments were scarcely ample enough for his stalwart form altogether he made in some externals a marked contrast to the city exquisite who rather enjoyed standing beside him that his contrast might be seen to lottie he appeared excessively comical as he stalked in and around trying vainly to appear at ease and yet the thought occurred to her if he only knew what to do with his colossal proportions knew how to manage them he would make an imposing-looking man and when de forest posed beside him just before they went out to tea even this thought flashed across her julian seems like an elegant mannequin beside a man if de forest had only known it the game of contrasts was not wholly in his favor but poor mr hemstead came to grief on his way to the supper-room miss marchmont tried to disguise her diminutive stature by a long trailing dress upon this he placed his by no means delicate foot as she was sweeping out with mr harcourt 
there was an ominous sound of parting stitches and an abrupt period in the young lady's graceful progress in his eager haste to remedy his awkwardness he bumped up against mr dimmerly who was advancing to speak to him with a force that nearly overthrew that dapper gentleman and rendered his greeting rather peculiar hemstead felt to his intense annoyance that the young people were at the point of exploding with merriment at his expense and was in a state of indignation at himself and them his aunt and mr dimmerly who soon recovered himself were endeavoring to look serenely unconscious with but partial success all seemed to feel as if they were over a mine of discourteous laughter the unfortunate object looked nervously around for the beautiful cousin i hope she did not see my meeting with uncle he thought i was always a gawk in society and to-night seemed possessed with the very genius of awkwardness she is the only one who has shown me any real kindness and i don't want her to think of me only as a blundering tongue-tied fool he would not have been reassured had he known that lottie having seen all had darted back into the parlor and was leaning against the piano a quivering and for the moment a helpless subject of suppressed mirth mr dimmerly was always a rather comical object to her and his flying arms and spectacles as he tried to recover himself from the rude shock of his nephew's burly form made a scene in which absurdity which is said to be the chief cause of laughter was preeminent but the paroxysm passing she followed them and took a seat opposite her victim with a demure sweetness and repose of manner well-nigh fatal to the conspirators as mr hemstead was regarded as a clergyman though not quite through with his studies his aunt looked to him for the saying of grace it was a trying ordeal for the young fellow under the circumstances he shot a quick glance at lottie which she returned with a look of serious expectation then dropped her eyes and veiled a different expression under the long lashes but he was sorely embarrassed and stammered out he scarcely knew what a suppressed titter from addie marchmont and the young men was the only response he heard and it was not reassuring he heartily wished himself back in michigan but was comforted by seeing lottie look gravely and reproachfully at the irreverent gigglers she is a good christian girl he thought and while the others ridicule my wretched embarrassment she sympathizes hemstead was himself as open as the day and equally unsuspicious of others he believed just what he saw and saw only what was clearly apparent therefore lottie by tolerably fair acting would have no difficulty in deceiving him and she was proving herself equal to very skilful feigning indeed she was one who could do anything fairly that she heartily attempted a moment after grace harcourt made a poor witticism at which the majority laughed with an immoderateness quite disproportionate mrs marchmont and her brother joined in the mirth though evidently vexed with himself that they did even hemstead saw that harcourt's remark was but the transparent excuse for the inevitable laugh at his expense lottie looked around with an expression of mingled surprise and displeasure which nearly convulsed those in the secret but her aunt and uncle felt themselves justly rebuked while wondering greatly at lottie's unwonted virtue but there are times when to laugh is a dreadful necessity whatever be the consequences mr hemstead said lottie gravely beginning as she supposed with the safe topic of the weather in journeying east have you come to a colder or warmer climate decidedly into a colder one he answered significantly indeed that rather surprises me 
well i believe that the thermometer has marked lower with us but it has been said and i justly think that we do not feel the cold at the west as at the east no matter she said sweetly at the east as in the west the cold is followed by thaws and spring he looked up quickly and gratefully but only remarked it's a change we all welcome not i for one said mr harcourt give me a clear steady cold thaws and spring are synonymous with the sloppy season or sentimental stage i too think steady cold is better in the season of it remarked mr dimmerly sententiously but how about out of season uncle asked lottie your hint perhaps is seasonable lottie quietly remarked her aunt though with somewhat heightened color i trust we shall keep the steady cold out of doors and that all our guests will find only summer warmth within really auntie you put me in quite a melting mood no need of that lottie for you are the month of june all the year round said her aunt the month of april rather suggested bell i should say july or august added mr dimmerly laughing would you not say november asked lottie of mr hemstead yes i think so he replied with a blush for thanksgiving comes in that month there was a general laugh and mr dimmerly chuckled very good you are getting even frank i hardly understand your compliment if it is one said lottie demurely is it because you are so fond of sermons or dinners that thanksgiving glorifies the dreary month of november neither a sermon nor a dinner is always just cause for thanksgiving he replied with a pleasant light in his gray eyes then where is the force of your illusion she said with a face innocently blank well replied he hesitatingly and blushing deeply perhaps my thought was that you might be an occasion for thanksgiving if both sermon and dinner were wanting and there was a general laughter but his aunt said frank frank have you learned to flatter lottie shot a quick glance of pleased surprise at him and was much amused at his evident confusion and flaming cheeks to be sure his words were part of the old complimentary tune that she knew by heart but his offering was like a flower that had upon it the morning dew she recognized his grateful effort to repay her for supposed kindness and saw that though ill at ease in society he was not a fool would it not be better to wait till in possession before keeping a thanksgiving said de forest satirically not necessarily retorted hemstead quickly for the remark was like the light touch of a spur i was grateful for the opportunity of seeing a fine picture at cleveland on my way here that i never expect to own lottie smiled the victim was not helpless but she turned and with a spice of coquetry said still i think you are right mr de forest then she noted that mr hemstead's eyes were dancing with mirth at her hint to one who was evidently anxious to keep thanksgiving over her any month in the year i'm sure i am remarked de forest i could never be satisfied to admire at a distance i could not join in a prayer i once heard lord we thank thee for this and all other worlds could you asked lottie of hemstead why not that is no answer hemstead was growing more at ease and when he only had to use his brains was not half so much at a loss as when he must also manage his hands and feet and he replied laughingly well not to put too fine a point upon it but this world is quite useful to me at present i should be sorry to have it vanish and find myself whirling in space if i am a rather large body 
but as i am soon to get through with this world though never through with life i may have a chance to enjoy a good many other worlds perhaps all of them before eternity is over and so be grateful that they exist and are in waiting what a traveller you propose to be i should be satisfied with a trip to europe to paris you mean said bell yes replied mr hemstead until the trip was over then i trust she will be content with new york insinuated de forest for mr hemstead speaks as if the stars were created for his especial benefit you are enjoying some honey mr de forest said hemstead quietly yes did the flowers grow and the bees gather for your especial benefit i admit i'm answered but said sceptical mr harcourt when you've got through with this world how do you know but that you will drop off into space come said addie rising from the table i protest against a sermon before sunday they now returned to the parlor hemstead making the transition in safety but with no little trepidation End of chapter two